0: Hello, and welcome to the Moxie Gal podcast, where you can come for your weekly dose of tips and tools that you can use to stay relevant, productive, and thrive. Through personal anecdotes, stories, and interviews, we'll uncover what it takes to unleash the moxie or courage that you need to design the life that you want. My name is Ami Valdemarro. I'm a leadership trainer and coach, and I help people with big ideas turn their ambitious visions into action and impact, and keep it real in the process. On this episode, we're going to talk about procrastination, why it's a useful tool to helping us figure out what's holding us back from stepping into our full growth and potential, and some experiments that you can run on yourself every time this pattern comes up to make sure that you're staying aligned and focused on your goals. So today, I want to talk about procrastination. We all know the feeling. We've got a deadline looming. We have a conversation that we've been thinking about having for a long time with a boss or a co-worker or a partner. You have the opportunity to step into something that challenges us in our career or in other roles that we play. And we get this nervous pit in our stomach like we're going to vomit or throw up. Our heart starts racing, and we want to run for the hills and Instead of taking action, we delay, we deny, we don't respond, we do a million other things other than the thing that we're feeling pulled to do. All of us know what procrastination is; we've all done it before, but few of us think that procrastination can be a friend. You see any time you procrastinate, it's a sign that something big is about to happen. It could mean that you're on the cusp of a breakthrough, especially if your procrastination is a pattern that tends to repeat itself every time a certain scenario comes up. Say when you're being challenged to do something that pushes the limits of what you're comfortable with or what you feel competent in in your job. These challenges or opportunities are new and unfamiliar And so our bodies and our minds don't really know how to deal with it. So what they'll do is they'll put up defense mechanisms, right, we're going back to fight, flight, or freeze. Procrastination is a tool that we use to protect ourselves from something that we're not sure is gonna be helpful to us and that in fact might harm us in some way. When we procrastinate, we're trying to protect ourselves from some bigger fear, like the monsters that used to lie under our bed as kids that we knew were there but we didn't wanna shed light on or admit that they existed. Or if you don't wanna think about monsters, you can think about the proverbial elephants in the room that everybody knows are there but never talk about. By the way, procrastination is a totally normal and natural response. But it can be paralyzing if we don't know how to get ourselves out of that place of fear. But what kind of fear are we talking about exactly? We're talking about deep-seated fears, that soft underbelly that we don't want to see the light of day, because if we admit that these fears exist, then somehow we're no longer the perfect specimens that we present ourselves to be in the world. It might be okay with us to live with these fears just in the back of our heads, or on the back burner, or underneath our beds, but when it comes to realizing our professional goals or our personal goals, If we don't deal with or face these fears productively, then we're limiting ourselves. And the very thing that we're trying to avoid and resist will keep coming back again and again. So I'll give you an example. In the various roles that I play, whether it's representing the nonprofit that I sit on the board of, or training young professionals in leadership and management, I'm often asked to present and speak publicly on a range of topics. I'm asked to do this because I have extensive experience in my different fields and people see me as someone who's competent and an authority on these issues. That's what people see. What's going on in the inside is quite a bit more, let's say, juicy. But before we get to those juicy bits, we might have to go way, 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 way back to when I was a little kid, and I was learning how to play the violin. The story goes something like this. So when I was three years old, I used to accompany my dad and my sister to their piano lessons. They were both studying piano at the time. And one day, they had a recital. And at that recital, someone came out with this instrument, and I was mesmerized. I was absolutely entranced by it, and I pulled on my dad's sleeve, and I said, Dad, I want to do that that was someone playing the violin. And from the age of three years old, I learned and studied how to play the violin and performed in orchestras and chamber music groups and even had a few solo recitals where I would showcase and perform the pieces that I'd learned. I had this desire to perform, to share this gift with the world, but with that dream and that desire came this fear of, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to play well? Am I going to have mastered these pieces? I was exhilarated by the prospect of performing, but also terrified of failing somehow, of missing notes, of missing my mark, and of disappointing the people who had invested so much in me, from my teachers, to my orchestra mates, to my parents. As a result, I practiced as hard as I could and tried to be the absolute best that I could be making sure that I set myself up for not making any mistakes at all. Inevitably, live music is always different from pre-recorded sessions when you can cut and paste, take after take after take, and I would get so disappointed with myself when I would miss some notes on the fast passages or when I would, you know, play the wrong note. This need or this desire to have all my ducks in a row and to have things go perfectly remains with me to this day, even when I am performing in other ways. So to go back to our current scenario, I'm still exhilarated by the idea of sharing a gift that will serve someone. But there are also times that I'll admit that I'm fearful about whether I will show the confidence and competence to have people believe in me as an authority on the issues that I'm speaking about. The idea of like not having all my shit together and possibly disappointing people is a huge fear of mine. Of all the monsters under my bed, that's probably the biggest one. And when it wants to come out and play, what do I do? So in the case of playing violin, normally what I would do is I would focus on the parts that were easier to play, the passages that were easier to play that I knew and that would make me feel good and neglect the parts where growth could happen, where I could learn new skills or new ways of doing things in my work life that would look like doing as much research or getting as much new information as possible to make me feel like I could show myself as a competent authority, as if my background or real work experience weren't enough. My procrastination looked like work on the outside. I mean, I was practicing my violin or prepping for my speeches or presentations, but it was really just busy work that avoided the real work that I needed to do. By avoiding that monster under my bed, I was unconsciously inviting it to stick around and to make a hot mess. Instead of acknowledging the fear and accepting it for what it is, something that's trying to protect me from actually disappointing people, I tried to deny that it existed at all. But guess what? (laughs) Fear is normal. It means that we're functioning as we should as humans. So we know that these fears exist, but what do we want to do about them? It's not fun to be operating in a place of fear, right? It feels restricting. So how can we make procrastination and the fear that it's covering work for us instead of against us? Here are a few tips. If you want to get serious about kicking your procrastination habit, You're gonna have to do some work to discover what boogeyman is lying underneath your bed. This is where the friendship part comes in. If we can look at these fears as friends that are trying to help us instead of monsters underneath our bed, then we can put ourselves back in the mindset of designers and ask ourselves, what's really going on here? And how do we move on from here? So in my case, I've done that deeper work to figure out What's going on when I'm procrastinating and what patterns do I see? What is the it that I've been avoiding by doing busy work or doing work other than that which would challenge me in a good way? And for me and how I'm wired, it's this deep seated fear of disappointing other people. For you, it might be some other fear a fear of failure, a fear of conflict or confrontation, a fear of not being enough a fear of putting yourself out there. Each of us has a different boogie monster. And by the way, procrastination might not just be a sign of fear, a deep underlying fear, but it also could be a signal of burnout that you've had enough and that you need to set aside some time for you to rest and recharge. Once you've identified what your boogie monster is, the next step is really about bringing them to light. They say that the best disinfectant is sunlight and so instead of just pushing them back under the rug or under your bed or not admitting that they exist bring them out and instead of judging them from a place of fear think about what this habit or this pattern is trying to help you with how it's trying to support you that gives you back the power and the agency over it instead of being controlled or operating out of fear another thing you could ask yourself is Do I really know that this is the case? Can I come up with some example that proves otherwise? So this is one of the tools that I learned in my own practice from my coach Alyssa and through her work with the Institute for Coaching Mastery. For me, for example, I never asked people for feedback about whether they paid attention to the notes that I missed when I was playing a piece or if they noticed that I had skipped a part of my presentation that I wanted to spend more time on. When I did get feedback, it was positive congratulating me on being able to present this piece or to share this gift or to share these wisdom and insights in the case of my speeches. No one ever expressed disappointment to me. So now that I think about it, it was really just all in my head. This fear that I was going to disappoint other people. Knowing that and that I had the control over how I thought about things has helped me to overcome this fear. To know that it exists, but to know that it doesn't have control over me. And the last tip when dealing with procrastination is to figure out what to do when it comes up again because inevitably, as we're going through this change of mindset and behavior, it's going to come up again. So it's crucial for you to have a game plan. That might look like writing a note to yourself in a journal or a notebook or your phone every time this procrastination pattern comes up. Make a note of it and try and figure out what it is that you're trying to avoid, not just the task at hand, but what's lying underneath it. Or it might look like identifying or finding someone that you trust and asking them to help you to hold yourself accountable if, in fact, you are committed to getting past this pattern of behavior. Saying that you'll do something in the future is really easy if you don't put a deadline to it. So in either case, whether writing down your observations or having a friend or a confidant to help hold you accountable, put a time frame on it. Are you willing to try something in the next week, in the next month, or if you have a real sense of urgency, in the next day, or in the next hour, or in the next 30 minutes? You can think about procrastination like a bad habit that we talked about in our first episode, but if it keeps coming up over and over again, it's probably telling you that there is some underlying sensitivity that you need to address in order to fully step into your growth and to pursue the opportunities that are in front of you wholeheartedly it's not just changing your habits for the sake of doing it it's really doing the work so that you can step confidently into pursuing what sets your soul on fire yes it will be new yes at times it will be scary but imagine what becomes possible when you are no longer limited by the thoughts that are keeping you from pursuing the challenges that are going to help you grow. I'll share a little epilogue to my violin story. So in my first ever solo recital, I was playing about eight pieces that I had learned and I was the only one who was going to play other than my piano accompanist, Julieta. As I was waiting backstage, getting ready to perform, I thought about all of the people sitting in the audience, my family, my friends, and people who were important to me on this journey. I started to feel, in the words of Linda Richmond, a little clamped. I felt my throat contracting, I felt my stomach churning, and I was really, there was a lot of energy around. It was part nervousness, part excitement, and I was feeling a little bit like I wasn't in my body anymore. Julieta came up to me and said something to me that I will never forget. She said, Ami, what you're doing today, what you're giving today is a gift. Your parents, your friends, your family are all excited for you to share this gift with them. And after a few deep breaths, she asked me, are you ready? Let's go. So of course, I made some mistakes in playing my piece and there are things that I might have been able to do better, but going out there on stage knowing that I was giving a gift and that the people who mattered to me were going to receive that gift with open arms helped me to release myself from this delay and this denial and this hiding from showing up in my full potential. And it's an experience and an episode that I come back to in those times where I am feeling that same visceral, physical feeling like I'm about to vomit or I'm about to do something that's scary and exciting at the same time. So my hope for you is that you realize that it's the same for you, that you've got gifts and experiences that are unique to you and that the world is waiting for you to share. If only you'll do the work to step out from behind the shadows of these fears learn what they can teach you, and step into the light. So I'm curious, have you started to use these tools or other tools to help you identify your patterns of procrastination? What's coming up for you? Or maybe you need an accountability partner to make sure that you're staying on track with meeting your goals. If so, send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on Instagram at the underscore moxigal, on LinkedIn at the moxigal, or you can visit us on our website at www.themoxigal.com. Until our next episode, take care, stay safe, and be well. In this episode, I shared some insights based on concrete works and scholarship that's been done on adaptive leadership growth and limiting beliefs. So before I go, I wanted to share these resources with you in case you're curious and want to explore more. For information on coaching around limiting beliefs, you can visit the work of Alyssa Nobriga and the Institute for Coaching Mastery. On adaptive leadership, you can look at the work of Dr. Ron Hyvitz and Marty Linsky and their books that they've written on the practice of adaptive leadership. And of course, you can reference the work of my go-to designers, Dave Evans and Bill Burnett, and their work on designing your work life and designing your life.